Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Under the Stained Glass, the podcast where we take a look at what we talked about in church on Sunday and then approach it again from a family angle. I'm here with our children and youth and families director, Ms. Whitney. Hi, everyone. And I'm Pastor Chris here at Magnolia Park United Methodist Church in Burbank, California. And this past couple of weeks, we've been looking at a new series, and it's called Tough Words, Great Love. And we've been looking at some of the tough words that Jesus has to say to us sometimes, and some of the tough stories that we read in the Bible, and how they actually point us, though, even though they're difficult sometimes, they point us towards the kind of love that God wants to show us in Jesus. Last week, we were actually talking about this story where Jesus is with a group of people, people who are following him, and they really want bread. Remember, it's right after Jesus had actually produced bread and fish enough for 5,000 people to be able to eat. And everybody's like all over Jesus because he's got the goods, you know? Right. And we were talking about how sometimes we fall into that ourselves, into having like a transactional sort of relationship with Jesus. Right. We can be that sort of gumball machine or vending machine Mm -hmm. person with Jesus and and just want to go to him when we want something and then forget about him when when we're satisfied, at least for a while, until we have to go back again. And that's kind of what we see in that story is, sure, I mean, I think they're seeing that something really different is happening with Jesus. I, I wouldn't deny that. But just like us, they're seeing, oh, that miracle. Oh, yeah. he fed us all. Yes, um, the shiny object. Right, right. right. And yeah. our tummies are rumbling again. So <laughs> we're ready for another meal. And that's really understandable. But it's not what Jesus wants us to get out of it. Sure, he's going to do those miracles. And he certainly mm-hmm. does that for our, us in our lives. But it's not the only thing he wants to do for us. And he wants it to go deeper into a relationship sort of level. And so sure. he, wants, he wants us and also these people in this story to understand his purpose for right. being here. Right. I mean, we would never want to suggest that we shouldn't pray for all of our needs because Jesus says, pray for all of your needs. But at the same time, Jesus is always trying to draw us into that deeper relationship, even through our desires and through our needs and through the fulfillment of those sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so Jesus really, in that story, was trying to get people to move from just a literal kind of idea of what Jesus wanted or what they wanted from Jesus to a spiritual idea of what he could offer. Mm -hmm. Now, last week, we looked at a great story from Luke chapter 7. And I don't know if those of you who are listening, if you have your Bibles, it's at Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. And it's this great story about how Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. And of course, the Pharisees are always trying to find ways to get into like a debate with him or try to tear him down a peg or try to get him to slip up or whatever. And they have Jesus there at the house. They're going to eat together. And a woman comes in and does a remarkable thing, kind of falls down at Jesus' feet and begins to weep, just prodigious tears and wets his feet with her tears wipes his feet with her hair Mm -hmm. and then takes out a a lotion, a perfume and an alabaster jar and pours that on his feet and also begins to wipe his feet with her hair. It's really a beautiful but kind of shocking image, right? Right, it is. It's one of those images that I know that if you're familiar with these stories of Jesus, this is probably one that comes up Mm -hmm. in your mind a lot. But for good reason. It's not something that we would generally think to do. And we have to understand culture when we think of it, but also 
just the humility that she brings to that moment as she falls down at his feet and doesn't even think about, you know, what is this going to look like, me unraveling my hair and wiping his feet. Right. But right. I want to serve him. I want to be near him mm -hmm. and honor him in this way. And it's a beautiful story. I think it teaches us a lot about humility in the presence of God and about our need for him and our desires to be close to him. And, and maybe we're evaluating ourselves as we hear this story. Mm -hmm. But it's a shocking sort of story, too, because it really goes against everything we know in sort of that decent sort of, you know, this is what we do in public. Absolutely. Way. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, in the story, I mean, what's really interesting is she comes in and she just pours herself out like this in this right. way, in this devotion, really, to Jesus. Right. But the Pharisee looking at the same scene is sitting back and judging Jesus right. <laughs> and saying, if this man were really a prophet, in other words, if he was really a man of God, he would know what kind of woman this is, that she is a sinner. And the implication is that he would never let, if he was really a man of God, right. never let a sinner touch him this way because Luke has told us that this woman actually has a reputation right. in the town for being a sinful woman. Sure. So what we start to understand is that her actions here are not just random. She's not doing this for shock value. She's doing this because she has this great appreciation and gratitude for Jesus because somewhere along the line, she's understood that Jesus forgives her sin. Right. And, that's, and this is her offering mm. out of gratitude in her heart. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really goes to that deeper level, that deeper understanding of who I am, who Jesus is. And if Jesus, who has given so much for me, can publicly give so much for me, like that hasn't even happened here in our mm -hmm. course of the gospel, but her understanding that that is why he's come. Mm -hmm. She truly at this moment really understands who Jesus is yeah. and his purpose. Whether that be he's he's pulled her out of something during his time, his ministry before he even dies for our sins, yeah. or or whatever that might be, her understanding of what he's done for her that might look a little bit ridiculous maybe to the public, and then her realizing if he can look so ridiculous, I can maybe look ridiculous in this mm -hmm. moment to honor him. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's pretty pretty amazing too. How far will we go for Jesus when he's gone so far for us? Yeah, and I like that you say, you know, this is before right. the crucifixion. This is just because he has stood up and declared a couple of things, that he has the authority to forgive sins, right. which implies he is God. And the important thing is she's heard that, but she believes it. She believes it. And because she has that kind of faith, yeah. that level of faith, mm -hmm. She's been given this new life. She really believes Jesus, right. just because he's declared it, right. has forgiven her sins or opened the way for her sins to be forgiven. Right. And now she will come and just out of gratitude be weeping yeah. <laughs> and anointing him, really, oil. They would anoint a person as though right. they were royalty. Yeah. You know, so she does this thing. And of course, the again, the Pharisee is just like doesn't get it at all. And the implication is because he is just the opposite. He hasn't really grappled with his sin mm -hmm. and he doesn't understand 
uh, that there's a way to forgiveness uh, through Jesus. That's right. He only sees the surface mm -hmm. of what is happening. He sees this ridiculous woman. She didn't just anoint him with a little bit of oil oh, or perfume. It's a lot. It's, this is a big deal and by any measure. And, and he's seen this and he's only seen. How can you be down at his feet? Yeah. You know, we haven't even washed his feet today. So he's in the house. And, and how could you be down there embarrassing yourself? Yeah in front of everyone at this dinner. Right. And, you know, hey, by the way, you're a sinner now. In, um, right. In the Gospel of John, um, the story is told that this is actually Mary, who's right. a sister of Martha. Yes. And some church tradition would say that it may be Mary Magdalene, mm -hmm. who was thought to be a prostitute. So you right. sort of get an idea of what's what the sin is that's going on here. Right. But again, the Pharisees only seeing her sin, not seeing the forgiving of the sin. Right, right. You know. <laughs> They're not seeing the interaction between yeah. Jesus and Mary or whoever this woman might be. Or whoever this is. woman might be. And in fact, it's really interesting in the telling of it in the Gospel of John. It occurs, this incident occurs right before... Jesus goes to the cross in right. those days, right before his passion. Right. And Mary actually comes in and kind of intentionally is anointing his feet with lotion and with mm -hmm. oil as though preparing him for burial. So there's a parallel there. Now, most people think that these are two separate incidents, but both of them point to uh, Jesus' divinity, but also his ability in that sense to forgive sins. So as the story goes on, of course, Jesus really t has some tough words for this Pharisee. Yeah. As he compares her level of gratitude for what he's done to his level of ungratitude and just unappreciation for who Jesus is. And he says that he points out that you know, he came in the house and he wasn't offered any water to wash his feet, sure. which was kind of traditional. Like anybody would do that, but they didn't right. do that for Jesus. Yet she washed his feet with tear. And that when he came in, the Pharisee didn't kiss him on the cheek, which again is pretty de rigueur. It's kind of just what you do. But she was kissing his feet and he didn't anoint Jesus' head with oil, a little dab of oil, which was an honor, you know, thing to do of to honor the person that came in your house. Yet she poured oil over his feet and he comes out with these tough words for him that all of those things that she has done has shown her great love because she realizes the great forgiveness that she's been given. But he says to him, to the Pharisee, he who has been forgiven little loves little. He who has been forgiven little loves little. Yeah. And that kind of just goes again to you know, to your heart, right? you know, and makes you think, well, wh what about me? You know, am I missing out on understanding what I've been forgiven and the level of grace that Jesus has offered me? Right. Have I, have I brought that in? Because we know that Jesus offers this to everyone. It's not exclusive to this woman or, or particularly sinful people or a certain type of people, but have we accepted it? Yeah. Have we let that in? Has, has our heart been so penetrated by our love for Jesus that we've allowed to tr him to come in and we allowed ourselves to trust in him in that? Because it is a two-way street. It's always there for us. He's mm -hmm. already always doing his part. 
pouring it out to us. He's pouring that forgiveness out every moment of every day. But did we do enough to come to him? And that's mm-hmm. that's really something that mm-hmm. is going to pull at our own hearts, make us really think, have we done this? Yeah, and are we doing enough on a daily basis to right. allow the Holy Spirit to actually convict us of our sin? Right. Which, you know, nobody is never comfortable. <laughs> right. But if you're really in the Lord, number one, it's what we need to do, but also it's okay. We can face our sin because we know on the other side of facing that sin is God's grace and forgiveness. Right, right. Because, you know, our relationship with Jesus, I always like to think it starts on our knees, but he doesn't leave us there. Mm -hmm. He always brings us back up. So we have to find that point where we begin and we have to find that bringing ourselves down, understanding ourselves to that point to understand that we need to be down on our knees yeah. in front of him and, and that we need that, that forgiveness and, and that we do have those sins and that it doesn't mean we are particularly, you know, terrible or we're worse than, you know, so-and-so down the street. That doesn't mean that. I mean, maybe we are, we don't know, <laughs> but it just means that we have to really truly look at ourselves and understand that we are flawed people that mm-hmm. need Jesus yeah. in our lives. Yeah, I mean, the, the the Pharisee's sin or your sin or my sin may not be as egregious or as obvious or as well-known right. as the sin of this woman, right. but Paul says there is no one who is righteous, not one, right. Right? right? And everyone falls short of the glory of God. So every one of us lives, you know, Luke says she lived a sinful life. Well, every one of us lives yeah. and has lived a sinful sure. life. So it's just a matter of kind of understanding the gravity of our sin without groveling in it, but understanding the gravity of our sin so that we can really appreciate the grace of Jesus. Now, when we are with our families, and especially Mm -hmm. when we're trying to help our kids understand this, we don't want them to be groveling in their sin or always being feeling like they're bad. Sure, that's fair. Right? I mean, and well, then some... Religious cultures, that is what happens. Right, right, yeah. So we really do want to put the focus on the grace, but you clearly can't grasp the grace unless you understand the sin. Right, you need to help your children understand conviction without condemnation uh-huh. in a way. You know, we understand those words. Those are big words. But for a child, that means letting them know that we all mess up sometimes. We all fall short. We, all, You know, nobody's perfect. But understanding that and then helping them understand that need to be forgiven, to say sorry, to, to do those things and, and, and how that really benefits them, how it's not because we want you to talk about how terrible you are all the time mm-hmm. or, or all these mistakes that you make, but so that you can be better. Yeah. So that you can evolve to be better. And and when you're talking about this in you can start by talking about it, you know, in a sort of way as oh, we say sorry when we make mistakes, but then when you bring in the whole idea of Jesus forgiving our sins and that relationship when you're trying to build that with kids, it really is building up an understanding of what Jesus has done for us. And that sacrifice he makes, much like we talked about last week when we were talking about communion with, how we talk about communion with kids. You talk about the sacrifice Jesus gave because of his love for us. And once they realize that relationship, that love, what Jesus has done, you really can bring in 
Well, that's because we all mess up. It's because we all fall short. It's because we're not perfect and we have to say sorry. And you can bring it back to that and really help them to understand their own sin. Yeah. And I guess also to help our kids have those opportunities to say that they're sorry to God. Yeah. You know, when we pray with our kids, I think it's a good opportunity Mm -hmm. and not to say to them, all right, yeah, confess. Right. But to confess ourselves, you know, to say... Dear God, you know, I really was impatient with someone at work today, and uh, I just want to acknowledge that and right. just ask, you know, help help me be better. Right. And let your kids hear that. Right. And then maybe give some space for all the family to say, to think about, are there things that we need to lift up to God silently right. by silent confession? And then just allow some space for the Holy Spirit to speak into that. silence you know whether or not our kids will speak openly their sins they might and that would be actually really healthy right you know but but even if not if just that space for everybody to think about how they can all be better and ask the lord to forgive them right and you know the best teaching tool we have is to model the things Mm -hmm. that we want our children to see from ourselves. And that really goes along with that. But it's also remembering that it's okay to be flawed in front of your kids. It's okay to say, you know, I messed up too. Just because you're a parent doesn't make you perfect. Mm -hmm. And your kids have to see that. They have to see that humility, that honesty in you in order for them to be honest with themselves and with God and with others. And that's a hard thing for anybody to do. I mean, it's hard no matter how long you've been going about this and trying it. It's hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to admit when you're wrong or when you've really messed up or when you've hurt someone. And Kids are going to want to instinctually try to hide that. So when we model that for yeah. for them, when we model just getting down on our knees and apologizing or, or, you know, letting our sin be known to God and to others, it really does help them grow. Sure. Yeah. When we're in the Lord, there's no reason to hide sin or hide from him because right. he he's there to forgive us and to love us and to um, even make us more and more aware of his great grace and love for us. Well, thanks for being here with us today. Just want to remind you, if you're ever in the area in Burbank and you want to worship with us, we have worship at 1030 here at Magnolia Park. And otherwise, we will be here next week and hope you'll join us for Under the Stained Glass.